0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco
1: Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes. So let's get started. It's WWDC. Hey! But we're at home. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's a strange feeling. Um, like it, I mean, I know about you, but it's like I think my first WWDC was 2009. Same like every single year I've been in California since, like, it's just like this fixture on my calendar that usually it's the first, you know, the, the first or second week of June, but now it's a bit later in June, but it's like, there's this week in June where I go to California and like, that's just been a fixture of my life. I mean, it's even to the point where like I can, I have like sort of life concepts around it where, so like my first WWDC, our eldest son was four months old. So like he had just been born and like, it was this whole big thing of like, what do we know? But it's like, I was trying to start my career as an app developer and like, it seemed really important to go to WWDC. And so we decided to do it. And like my wife went and moved, like moved in with her, her mother for the week so that we could kind of make it work with the, with the newborn. And it's like his entire life, he has never known me um, not going to California for WWDC. Um, And so it definitely feels a little weird to, to be here, to not be, um in california like in the conference or not but just like to not have this time when i'm there but uh, like overall it's like we're recording on the wednesday of wdc and it's like so far so good like i it's it's been a good week so far i think apple is doing a good like overall a good job of like doing the best under the circumstances and like i mean beyond even just like the announcements and all the cool stuff they announced like it's it seems to be going reasonably well which is kind of nice yeah it is a very different
0: experience but i don't think it's a worse one you know in in certain ways it is not as fun or not as good you know we all we do miss a lot of that in person socialization that that we would always do every year um and and it is fun having like you know podcast live shows to either host or go to or both um and, and so it and it is nice like being in the room for the keynote if you can and like feeling all the energy and having all the cheering whenever good stuff is announced like all that stuff is really nice but it's also very exclusive and very expensive and a huge ordeal and in many ways fairly wasteful in a lot of ways and so from those angles i actually think that what we have now is better and i don't know what apple's plans are for you know what they're going to do in the future they probably haven't decided yet to be honest um but I actually, like, if, if WWDC is just like this every year and there isn't even an in-person component, that will be a pretty significant difference in how things have always been, been done. But that actually might fit the company better in terms of what it's, you know, how, how big the developer community is, how tiny of a fraction of it could ever actually go to the conference in person, and how much better this is for everyone else who couldn't go in person or didn't go in person. We have this this amazing like you know online conference now that in in many ways is serving just as good of a role and in some ways is doing things so much better that they actually I think should really consider
1: just doing it like this from now on. Yeah, I mean, I got to imagine it's like they're certainly looking at it because it's I think it's given them the opportunity to try something new that i doubt they would have had the sort of i don't know like the confidence to just try like hey this year we're just gonna like do this wacky thing and go a totally different direction for wwdc and see what happens like that seems like it's a huge risk and impact and like back you know sort of if they change their mind the next year then it's a big deal in a different way and like i can kind of see it's in many ways this is a lovely sort of like benefit to them that they can try this out and see what it's like and i mean i gotta say I think overall, it's, yeah, it's like, it's, I miss the, other than the, like, the, the social aspect of it, which is not actually, like, intrinsic to the content, like, the the conference itself, and is more just that there was this, you know, this, this catalyzing event that brought everybody into the same city. It's like, outside of that, the actual functional parts of the, of the conference have been delightful. Like, I really enjoyed, even just, like, the silly things, like, uh, on keynote morning, rather than spending like five hours sitting on a like uncomfortable carpeted floor eating stale muffins, like I was just at home and I like, worked <laughs> out normally, had a nice breakfast yep. and had a nice lunch and then just like went and sat down, just like I do for, you know, like the, 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 you know, the, in the fall of the fall events or just sort of all the Apple events where like I would imagine WWDC, like if they, if they decided to keep this model, like you would, have, in my mind, like next year, the keynote would be, a regular press keynote that it would still be just like, just like always where, you know, they would bring people to the Steve jobs theater and, uh, have, have an event, but it would be for the press and, you know, a few guests and things like that. But it's the online and then transition to this online experience, which like overall seems to work really well. And I got to say like on the pop sort of the plus side as a developer, like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing the, you know, what it's like for obviously people who haven't, don't aren't sort of don't 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 ha- aren't able to get to California, and. I'm getting a lot more work done. Like I'm at this, you know, at at this point in the middle of, you know, in the middle of WDC week, I feel like I have a really good understanding of the new APIs, the new options, the new things that have come out. I'm, you know, able to identify questions that I actually have and that would be useful to ask in a lab more, you know, sort sort of more quickly. I've built and prototyped a whole bunch of more stuff because there's just a lot less kind of overhead to the week that even just beyond the complexities around like going to sessions in person or having, you know, live shows and stuff, which are great, but are certainly not, you know, at at my desk working or even just like working out of a hotel room is nowhere near as productive um, as, you know, at home in my, at my regular desk with my regular computer with all my tools and, you know, working on an iMac pro, like all those things add up to it actually being, like, a really nice thing, you know, sort of, uh, sort of from a productivity perspective. And, you know, structure-wise, it still seems to have a bit of the feel. Like, the one thing that I was kind of a little bit confused by initially was that they were going to post the videos um, on a weekly bit, like, throughout the week, which is entirely arbitrary. Like, there's no reason why they have all these, like, pre-release pre-recorded, highly professionally put together videos. And then they're going to like, rather than just like dropping them all on Tuesday morning, you know, we're getting this drip feed throughout the week. And I think, I imagine the intention behind that is to try and give it a little bit more of a, you know, more of a conference feel that there's new and interesting things to talk about throughout the week that get kind of rolled out rather than it just being a one day conference that they do like the keynote on Monday. And then on Tuesday, here's all the data, you know, goodbye, have a good summer. Um, which is a little annoying when like some of the videos I'm like, Oh, I really want to see this one. I think it'd be really useful. You know, like I need, I'd love to know this information now. And it's like, it's entirely arbitrary that I kind of have to wait for it, but I see where they're going with that as kind of like a structure thing. And it, 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 it sort of kind of works, but Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like from a fundamental structure perspective, I I think this is, this is a winner. And, um, it's like, and then, you know, it's like, we can certainly dive into a little bit more of kind of the actual details of like what, you know, the difference in videos or, you know, labs and forums, but it's like overall WC 2020, it's like, it's like different, but good.
0: Even the downsides of it, like, you know, we aren't really seeing our friends the way we would normally um, we don't have opportunities to interact so easily with other people like you know we have this channel that apple has has, has set up these dev forums and labs and everything but you know part of the wonderful thing about, about wbc was always that you could walk around and just run into people like you you'd have yeah. a pretty good chance of running into Apple engineers or like the presenters of the sessions walking around, you could like quickly go up and say, "Hey, you know, I liked your session," and ask them a small question, maybe, um, or other people you know, you know, if you you know you run into John Gruber or something, you know, like, that that all had a chance of happening. That can't happen in this format, and possibly you know one one thing that Apple might want to look at, although I don't know if they are really the role to do it or this is anywhere near their wheelhouse, but. Um, you know, we have channels now to interact with Apple through like the online labs and stuff, which we'll get to. But we don't have channels to interact with each other so much. I guess the dev forums might be that, but that's not a social at all type of type of context. Um, that's that's more like you know informational, and even that you know the dev forums usually have a lot to be desired. But even like the the um, the online breaking out of the of the sessions by like like releasing the videos all you know on certain days as opposed to all at once. I actually think that's probably for the best because not only does it help like spread out the load on labs and and everything, but it also it also helps us digest everything more gradually. Like you know, at, at the end of every conference, there's always I always go download all the videos that I'm interested in, and I hardly ever actually watch them all. I watch a few, and then I I procrastinate or forget to watch the rest because it's just it, you know when you have a giant list of two or three hundred session videos or however many there are, like, it's really hard to actually pick out what you want. Whereas if they're being, like, trickled out over the week, you have, like, a new batch to look at every day. And then you can pick on that day, I want to see this, this, and this, you know? And and I think that actually might help a lot in the consumption pattern as well to make us actually be able to digest it more easily and more completely as opposed to if they just had dropped everything on Tuesday morning.
1: Yeah. No, I, mean, I, think, I think that's fair. And it, it, it's, like, uh, overall I'm, I'm 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 yeah like i said i'm very happy with this and i think it's they're they're do, they've made some intelligent choices and i think they're like there's niggles and things we could kind of argue could go that could go either way but like fundamentally it works and i mean i gotta say like the content of the video like sort of moving forward into that like i really like this new format um compared to the, the on stage presentation style like it is really tight in terms of like, it's, you know, it's clear, like the presenters are well prepared and they've almost certainly had the opportunity to do multiple takes to make sure that like all of them are fluid and clear. And if they, you know, if I'm sure if they went through in something and it didn't, a demo and it didn't quite work, like they did it again. And so every, everything kind of feels like this flawlessly like everything's coming off flawlessly and it's clear and the duration of the videos is different, which is nice. So like if, if it, some of them are long and some of them are short and it just, they're fitting the length of the video to the amount of content that they have to share, which is, was always a bit awkward sometimes previously where you'd, you know, most of the sessions would be around that kind of like 40 to 50 minutes. And that was just sort of part of the structure and, And now they can have videos that are like 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever is the appropriate amount of time for it. And I can watch the video at whatever speed I want. I can pause it. I can resume it. Um, They all, because they're all pre-recorded, we also have transcripts and like code snippets and everything on day one, which is, I think, I mean, just A, from an accessibility perspective is a great improvement and also just from a... Like my ability to do a search in like there's a video that is going to be talking about there's one little section in the description that I want to check out. I can just search the transcript, find the timestamp and start playing it there. And previously they've always done transcripts, but it's, you know, if you're doing it of a live event, they're not going to be available, you know, as soon as as soon as the video is, it's going to be a delay. Um, And so like from a structural perspective, I think the videos are I mean, an amazing step forward. And I think the only downside that I can think of is that the people who presented, you know, who've been working on the, on the technology don't get the experience of like the cheering in the audience when they announce the thing that everyone's been hoping for and waiting for. And like, they get to that, that sort of confirmation, but it's like, that, that's a really tricky balance for that particular thing versus the. And a improved experience for the 99.9% of the developer community who isn't there in person, who isn't in that room, and who isn't, you know, sort of like cheering for the new feature. Like, otherwise, these seem great and seem honestly kind of like the way forward. And I would love to honestly see, too, that now they've kind of s- established a bit of a precedent for this, that videos are something that just comes out throughout the year, that they don't necessarily all have to drop at WWDC, that this is something that they could create and develop and put out new videos with new content on a regular basis. Um, you know, when there's even when there's point really, it's like when there's a point release with new updates, they've done some of those before, but like this new format seems really sort of to lend itself to that and came off really well.
0: Yeah. Like in many ways, if you think about like, if, if in case anybody out there is kind of torn on whether you're going to, you know, miss the old way of doing things or whether you wanted to come back next year or not, I think a, a useful way to think about it is okay. After you've seen, all these video sessions, which really I, I think I agree are are significantly better than the old way of doing things because you are freed from the realities of running a big conference. Like the reason why all the sessions had to be approximately the same length and that was pretty long was because you had to manage like thousands of people walking between rooms in a convention center and you had to have time for them to like go between sessions, get seated, have meals between. And like, there's all these like real world constraints around the format. Um, And it was a big deal to prepare those presentations because it had to be presented live and you had to have live demos and like all that stuff. And with this new way of doing it where they're having pre-produced videos, so many of those barriers are knocked down. So many of those limitations are removed and so many of those like real world constraints are lifted. And so you're able to have significantly better content. You're able to have transcripts and sample code copying and you know stuff like that right at day one. You're able to have such better value. Now imagine next year, if they have the conference as normal and they go back to the old way, then the session videos are going to be worse than this year in many ways. Right. And so like, uh, do, it, it, I think I think it will actually feel like a step backwards now that we've seen what an alternative looks like then that in many ways is better I think it would be actually kind of a bad thing to go back to the old way of doing things I, I think it will feel like a regression
1: yeah and I think it's yeah so I think on, on that front it's definitely it's, it's like it's it's better and I feel weird saying it but it's like increasingly like as the week is going on I'm like this might be the way forward and Like even so, like I went, I've had two labs that I went to, which is the thing that I thought was going to be the hardest experience at WWDC to recreate in virtual format. How do those work? And so like you sign up the day before, so like you just, there's a whole bunch of labs and you say like, I would like to attend this lab and you kind of have to submit a specific question, you know, so it's not just like saying like, Hey, I'm interested. I mean, you might be able to do that, but you might not get assigned a slot. But it's, I think the encouragement is that have something specific and tangible that you want to talk to them about. Like ideally, if you file the feedback about this, they want you to, you know, it's like, here's my feedback number. Um, go in and like you do it the day before. And then it sounds like, you know, some people at Apple review those and kind of assign them as space allows. Uh, and then you go in like a WebEx call. And, you know, I had like, you have like a 15 minute, just like sort of conference call with, um, and had, like one or two engineers. I think on my first lab I went to, there was one engineer. And then he, there was like an issue that I was having that he wasn't sure about. So he like pulled in someone else and they just like, appeared into the web chat and it was f- like, we had an, you know, we had a, sort of a, a conference call that way. And after my 15 minutes, the call was over and like, that was that. And if I wanted to, I think I was, it was like appropriate for me to, uh, uh like I could have shared my screen if there was like something I needed to show, like for the nature of my questions, I didn't need to. So that was fine. And it's like, if I'm honest, it was probably like 80% of the the value of the labs themselves so like it actually, I think it works. Like the, the part that I missed is the kind of over the years I've had, you know, it's like you develop a little bit of a rapport with some of the people on the Apple teams. And it's kind of nice to where like, you know, I, I go to the, the health and the watch labs every year. And so I you know, I know them and I've met them before and I can kind of like, it's nice to be able to say thank you for the work they've been doing and have that kind of personal connection. But from a informational perspective and getting my questions answered perspective, it was identical to, um, the previous version and a lot more straightforward. Um, whereas, you know, like it took me 15 minutes to get on a call answer sort of my, ask my questions. Whereas typically if I was going to a lab, it's like, I'd go upstairs at a particular time that is awkward because of like, if this is the only, you know, hour and a half window of the week where I can talk to the person on the clock t- team that I need to talk to, it's like, I have to, my, like my whole world is on hold until I talk to them. And have to go up there, and then you typically are like you're waiting in line. And if it's the wrong person, like you, know, you get your person, and it might actually be eh, hmm, actually you're. You should talk to someone else, and they'll you know then you go and sort of essentially are waiting in line for another person. Whereas I imagine like the reason they're asking for you for the questions ahead of time is because that way if you you know like they know who the person is who can best answer this question. And so if you have something very specific, and like that feature was built by a particular person they can just have that person be the person who is, you you know, who you start with. So like overall it was a win. And like, I think that was the hardest thing to recreate. And I think this approach, like it seems to work reasonably well. And as far as I can tell, like getting a slot at the labs isn't like this impossible thing that just doesn't scale. So like it seems to be working. So that was the hardest part. And I think they nailed that too. That's fantastic. I'm really glad to hear that. We are brought to you this
0: week by Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your projects to the next level. They have 11 data centers worldwide so far, including their newest one in Sydney, Australia. And with their enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage option, and next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at surprisingly good prices. You can get started on Linode today with a $20 credit for listeners of this show, and you get access to all their amazing features, including native ssd storage a 40 gigabit network industry leading processors a brand new revamped cloud manager built on an open source single page app a cli to make automations dedicated cpu plans if you need them gpu compute plans if you need those high memory plans and so on or their regular regular set of normal plans starting at just five dollars a month I've been a Linode customer for the better part of a decade now, and I'm very, very happy there. It runs all my server stuff. So if you need a server, of course, they give you root access. You can install whatever software you want. It is wonderful. Go to linode.com slash radar and use promo code Under the Radar 2020 when creating a new account, and you will get a $20 credit towards your next project. By the way, they're also hiring. If that interests you, go to linode.com/careers. Anyway, for everyone else, that's linode.com/radar once again, and promo code Under the Radar twenty twenty for that twenty dollar credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show
1: and all of Relay FM. So, what are you working on first? So I think it was it's like now that we talked about the structure of what it's like to, to, for the conference, like now comes the actual like what was announced, and I mean. It's a lot, um, certainly for me and the, you know, someone who's been focused a lot on the watch, um, and complications. Like it's, that was my, like, you know, I think, I think at some point my wife watched the keynote with me and I think she was a little concerned about me at some points of the uh, the watch (laughs) section because I just like kept getting more and more agitated and like very loud and unusual noises may have been coming from me because it was just kept getting better and better. Like there's like, they announced so many really cool, interesting things there and, Like I'm, I think, you know, I have a very busy summer ahead of me and, uh, in the best possible way too. Cause it's, it's, there's sometimes when we get features that are like, it's just new opportunities and I have a summer to work on new opportunities. And this feels to me like one of those summers, whereas I kind of feel like, like Mac developers, where they have a summer where they're kind of having to adopt a new look and feel and things like that, which is not really a new opportunity in the same way. It's like this kind of more busy work and like, it's, it's nice and interesting and sort of important for being a good citizen of the platform. But I'll take a summer like this when it's just like a whole new, like they opened a door and inside it's just all these new things that I can do and try. And so I look forward to working on those um, a lot. And then it's like, and then you have like, widgets, which is this totally new and like different sort of interface paradigm for iOS, which, you know, I think like the, you know, the iPhone home screen has been essentially untouched for, you know, the better part of a decade. And now suddenly it's like wildly different. So like as someone who, you know, it's like, that's like for the platform, that feels like a huge change. Um, and is kind of huge, so like, I think this all—it's definitely a big year. This was, you know, I think there was a lot. There was definitely some speculation of like, oh, you know, with all the working from home and things that they've had to do this year, would they be able to deliver on kind of a big, exciting year? And I think they—they—they they, they, they clearly did. Like, that didn't slow them down. Um, or if it did, like, I can't even imagine what it would have been like if this—if this is the like partial list, uh, what the full list would have been.
0: Yeah, it seems like they basically made, in, especially in the area of the watch, they basically made, like, a summer just for you. <laughs> like, this, <laughs> this is, like, the, the, it's, like, everything you care about. Yeah, we're going to slightly Sherlock your sleep thing, but, you know, the complication angle is way, way better than it yeah. was before. And so, yeah, that's, I, I have a feeling uh, you have a lot of work to do now to me, like when, whenever you have a year like this where there is significant um, UI change opportunity or UI framework change opportunity in the case of like you know now we have revised Swift UI, revised Mac Catalyst, I am always tempted during those years, way more than any others to throw away backwards compatibility. And, and we have so much to talk about in future episodes, and we're probably going to cover this again, along with a lot of other stuff. But in our remaining time, I wanted to kind of address like my, my very first challenge and decision that I bet a lot of our listeners are facing of like, all right, here's a whole bunch of new exciting stuff. When can you actually require it? When can you actually use it? And if for certain APIs that, like, oh, you, you want to make a new widget, you know, okay, you can conditionally include that for 14, but then, like, you know, have some kind of graceful fallback or just not include certain features for for older versions. But, like, if you want to write your UI in, in the new stuff in Swift UI, for instance, or use the new collection view stuff, like, the, there's stuff like that that you just kind of have to require the new version, really, unless you're going to write two different copies of your entire UI, which you shouldn't. And so what are you going to do with, on that front, and what do you think I should do? Because I am... Very, very torn on this issue. Yeah,
1: and I mean, I think this goes back to the same sort of this challenge that we've been facing this whole year is that iOS 12 is, seems to still be going strong. Like, and by that by strong, I mean like ten to fourteen percent of of my user base, or, or you know, it's like along those lines. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm at five percent, and I thought that was high. Yeah. I mean, I'm, and I think it's, it's the, it's the challenge of like, you know, there's just certain phones that can't, can't go forward. So they're, you know, it's like the, the 6S and 6S plus primarily. And like, they're just still on 12. And until those phones physically break or the person who uses them upgrades from them, like the, those users aren't going anywhere. Um, and so it's really hard to want to, for an existing app, like, and like at best, I think you could probably go from it's like and that you know it's like if you decide you're you're willing to get to, to drop twelve, like in some ways, then you in some ways you might just want to just jump to fourteen because the, there's not going to be as much of a this sort of like structural impediment to it. Um, but it's definitely tricky. And then, I mean, on, on the watch side, it's even more complicated. I think like my watch adoption has been great. Like it's really like I'm at like n- better than 95, 96% of people on watch OS six, which is awesome. And so like I don't need to really support. I think previously I supported watch OS 5.2 or something like that, but like I, but the watch story gets really weird because if you require like watch OS seven, then if someone is running iOS 12, they can't, necess- like, they can't have a watch that's running that version, I don't think. Or like, I don't, it gets really complicated and, and awkward for like, if you're running iOS 12 and you buy in like a brand new watch that's running watch OS 7, like, will they pair? And like, I don't even know the answer to that. And so it's really complicated for like what to do. But I think I'm still expecting to support iOS 12 for most of my apps, um, this year. And then I, Am probably going to work around it a little bit by um, require like I can require fourteen if I make anything new, um, or like Watchsmith requires 13, thirteen because it was a new app this year, and so I might be more aggressive on pushing that to um, to fourteen just because the nature of the app too is a bit more like you know it's not as general purpose, but like for Overcast, like I don't I don't know what I'd say with like I feel like you kind of probably need to stick with 12 at least to start with um and then it's like see how it goes and see like if the new you know if is the new iphone uh compelling enough that it you know it drives more people to drop their successes but like i don't know if it feels like a year where there's going to be a lot of people wanting to spend you know like eleven hundred dollars on a phone right yeah this is probably gonna be
0: a slow phone upgrade year for various you know quarantine and economic reasons yeah i I mean, I'll waffle about this a lot more in future episodes, but but and i probably I'll probably make the wrong decision at some point and talk about that too, like I did last year. But I right now, like if I look at it honestly, like I really want to use all this new stuff. I want to have a new unified interface between phone, iPad, and Mac. But it's really aggressive for me to require this right now, and so I think what and and my customers ultimately aren't asking for most of this. That my customers aren't asking for a redesign. Most of my customers aren't asking for a Mac app what most of my customers want is like a feature release, you know, like, you know, everyone has their own pet feature of what they think that should be, but what they want really is features, not redesigns. And so what I will probably, what I should do, what I probably will do is I, I am going to start working on a major redesign that uses all the new stuff and Swift UI and everything, but that's probably not going to be on track for release until probably at least the spring. And then I might require 14, but, I think until then, I think I'm going to spend most of the summer not doing that, letting all this stuff stabilize, and which is always a very nice thing to do. Actually, is like yeah. let everyone else work through all the beta bugs, and then I'll take over the. I'll, I'll start working on the framework in the fall <laughs> when it's all like released and fairly stable. And in the meantime, I think I need to work on features to make my existing customers happy because that's what they actually are looking for, even though it's less fun for me right now.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a. I mean, that's probably the the. Mo- the reasonable approach and i think it's it certainly is clearly the long term future of apple's platforms are multi platform written in swift ui like this er, like that you know it's like some every year i feel like at wwdc there's like a theme and that seems to be the theme of this year is that apple is consolidating their platforms around swift ui and you can you know use it for almost everything Now that, you know, the widgets, Swift UI, complications, Swift UI, watch apps, Mac apps, iPhone apps, uh, iPad apps, Swift UI, tvOS, Swift UI. And so that's the future, but I don't think we need to adopt it right now for for everything, but all of the kind of like forward-looking, like I wouldn't redesign Overcast using UI Kit. That would seem like a waste of time or a waste of effort, but like waiting till the spring to actually release or to consider uh, launching that redesign seems very reasonable and appropriate
0: thanks that's what i'll try to do thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk to you in two weeks bye